0: So, I'm Natalie Pearson, and I'm a Deputy Director here at the Sydney Southeast Asia Centre, and I'm joined today by um, Janet Steele, Um, and very happy to have you here, Janet. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. Janet is an Associate Professor in the School of Media and Public Affairs at the George Washington University, and she's also the Director of the Institute for Public Diplomacy and Global Communication. Mm -hmm. So, Janet, uh, you're here at the University of Sydney to talk about the journalisms of Islam. Mm-hmm. So I would like to start with journalism by asking you to uh, tell us what the universal, universal principles of journalism are.
1: That's a very good question. Um, one thing that I found in all of the countries I've been to that... No one needs to tell a journalist what good journalism is, even if, it's, even if they live in a country with a very repressive or authoritarian regime, they still know what good journalism is. And so I do believe the principles of journalism are universal, things like a journalist's first obligation is to the truth, a journalist is obligated to, to serve the citizens, um, that, uh, to, to be an independent monitor of power. All of these principles, I think, are universal.
0: And how do you think those values of journalism, truth, balance, verification, and independence mm-hmm. from power, intersect with and diverge from the teachings of Islam? Well,
1: that's, a, that, that's a big question. <laughs> that's, that's basically what I tried to write about in my book. Um, I think that... Even though the principles of journalism are universal, I believe that the way we explain them to ourselves is based on our culture. And the thing that struck me in in Indonesia and also in Malaysia, very early on when I started going there and studying journalism, was I thought, there's something that's slightly different here. I, um, the first thing I actually noticed and heard about was an emphasis on justice rather than freedom. Mm-hmm. And I... I'm a historian by training, and, but I have a lot of friends who are anthropologists. And one, one anthropologist friend said, when you hear something that doesn't quite make sense, or you feel as if there are ellipses between two different concepts, there's something interesting there. And I thought, why does everybody talk about justice all the time? Well, it turns out justice is a very important concept in Islam, much more important than freedom. So it was things like that that got me to start asking journalists about the connection between journalism and religion, and and I found that there were lots of answers, and that the answers were quite similar, regardless of the publication the journalist worked for, whether they worked for a for a politically conservative um, Islamist publication or a very progressive, even liberal publication. They would describe things like verification using the same terms, and those terms were often Islamic, which was, to me, just fascinating because I think, like in Australia, in the United States, journalism is seen as a completely secular occupation. It's not seen as connected with religion at all.
0: Yes, so you just mentioned your new book, uh, which is called Mediating Islam, Cosmopolitan Journalisms in Muslim Southeast Asia. And in this book, you focus on what you refer to as an Islamic idiom in journalism. So can you tell us what you mean by that?
1: Right. Um, Well, I think, again, that's the kind of prism through which journalists explain to themselves principles like balance and verification and even truth. Um, The best example of this that I have is the explanation of verification when I would ask people about is you know is there a relationship between the way you understand journalism and your own religious feelings or your own religious expression talk to me about that and they would use the example of verification and they would always quote the same verse from the Koran uh, which is basically that if you see an unreliable person in the street with news approach with caution because otherwise you might regret it. And everybody quoted that verse, whether they were a very pious Muslim or whether they were pretty secular, but they just, you know, a nominal Muslim. And I I thought, this is so interesting, because I'm sure if we were to go to the offices of the Sydney Morning Herald and ask people about verification, they wouldn't start quoting Bible verses to us. So that was, to me, an indication there's something here. But it took me a long time to write the book, because honestly, I... As you know, for academics, if you are writing about something nobody else has ever written about, on the one hand, you've struck gold, Mm. but you also really start to second-guess yourself and think, am I I seeing something that's not here? So it took me a long time to do this.
0: So what was your process of
1: verification then for that fieldwork process? Um, Well, partly it was the fact that so many different publications, two in Malaysia, three in Indonesia, people would tell me the same things. Now, um, within that, there was great variety from the Islamist um, magazine Sabili, which is now out of print, to Malaysia Kini, which is a secular on- online publication, that, that the Muslims who work there, um, many of whom were very pious, they would use the same examples and say very similar things, um, which in some ways is not surprising because as most Muslims will tell you, Islam is a way of life; that it, it should influence everything, you, you know, you every aspect of your life. But when I really knew I was right was at um, Indonesia has s- several s- systems of universities. There's the the state university, there are private universities, and then there is our Islamic institutes and universities. Well, there journalism is usually taught in the dawah faculty, which is the the missionary faculty, the uh, Datwa is literally the call to God, and so, but that's where journalism is taught. Well, the history actually has to do with broadcasting, that people were learning journalism because they wanted to be televangelists. So I visited, I guess it was five different Islamic institutes and universities, to the Datwa faculties. It turned out this is exactly what they were teaching, and they'd all written little books like journalism and Datwa, and uh, they, so I thought, I'm right. I'm right about this. And nobody's noticed it. No foreigners have noticed this before. So that was really my process of verification.
0: Thank you. And I guess your training as a historian really came into its own there because you were able to identify the historical origins of why journalism was in this particular faculty being taught in this way. But has it evolved over the years? How has it changed in the way it's taught?
1: Well, it's funny. Um, I, I was a Fulbright professor, an exchange academic exchange professor, 20 years ago. when, uh, And I was in Jakarta when Suharto resigned, and I fell in love with Indonesia, and I've been going back ever since. And um, even back then, when I was asked to lecture on journalism at Islamic universities, I would find, why are they using these Western American textbooks? This is so, and often they were quite old and it was interesting. So I asked about that. I thought, how can you be teaching journalism and Dawah if you're basically using Western textbooks? And and the faculty would say things like, "Well, you know, we're, we're journalism plus. We, we add our our students can add the context," and I found that very interesting. Um, that they know the, the the context of the Quran and the Sunnah, and they can apply that to journalism. But still, the faculty would write these little little pamphlet books where they would specifically make the connection. And I have several of them, and it, it was very interesting.
0: Um, so I guess your book makes a sort of intervention in terms of the Western-centric scholarly um, research that's been done on journalism. Is that correct? Well,
1: I've tried to do that because I think um, I think that certainly Amer- I won't speak for Australians, but Americans are very arrogant. We do assume that our way of doing journalism is the only way, the best way, and the one that we should export everywhere in the world. And Yes, the principles of journalism, truth, verification, independence from power, absolutely. But we also have to we have to listen to other people and think about the language that they use. And my best example of this is actually, I'm often asked to talk about, American embassies always want me to talk about the role of a free press in a democracy. Well, if you're an American, all of those terms are now problematic. But press freedom, people will often say, we don't want to be free like you we you know you have cartoons of the prophet and you have pornography and we don't we don't want your freedom so i've learned i don't talk about freedom because i think that is a, a western concept instead i talk about independent media because that's really the essence of it you want journalists to be independent of the people who are in power you want them to be an independent monitor of power well that's a very islamic concept so if i were advising if I were advising diplomats, I would say, don't be talking about press freedom. Talk about the importance of independent media, because that way you don't get sidetracked into defending pornography or not. You know that it's that's not what you're there to talk about. And and so, when I say when I use the term kind of an idiom of journalism of of Islam, I think it's it's a sensitivity to to the what your audience is hearing, mm-hmm. and and you don't want to be the Westerner coming in and saying well, you need press freedom. Mm-hmm. That, no the, es- the, the essence is to be able to be an independent monitor of power mm, I think you 've really tapped into something there.
0: Um, I guess my other question relates to this value of justice that you talked about in Indonesia uh, and i 'm wondering you, you talked about it in relation to how it 's expressed in in Islam in Indonesia, right. but is that also a reflection of uh, the Indonesian context in terms of justice in Indonesian history?
1: Oh, I think very much so um, one of the there's there 's a very famous book in um, journalism studies written by, an, by a sociologist named Herbert Gans. And he, he explained, he studied CBS, NBC, New Time, Newsweek, um, and he did ethnographic research at those publications. And he argued that in the United States... What he called the para ideology, the overarching ideology of journalism is reform. That American journalism really came of age, flowered in the progressive era, and the idea that we need to reform what's wrong with society. And yes, definitely justice and reform are related, but I think um, the, the word justice just, that's such an Islamic. Concept and um, much more so than reform is. I mean, I think reform involves sort of what political organizations, political institutions, that justice is something, you know, it's God's justice. And so I, I found going back, one advantage of being a historian and perhaps being an obsessive keeper of notes and transcripts is I really have 20 years worth of notes and transcripts of interviews. And I found that even my first in book about Indonesia was on Tempo Magazine. And every single journalist there would talk about, they would say things like, the mission of Tempo is justice. And, and under Suharto, a lot of journalists joined Tempo because they felt Tempo speaks for justice. And of course, under Suharto, it was not a just society. So yes, I realize reform and justice are connected, but again, I think it has to do with the terminology that you use, that you want to use the word that people use.
0: Absolutely. Um, so Tempo was famously closed down under Suharto and uh, rehabilitated in 1998 after right. he fell from power. Um, so I guess I'm interested in the state of journalism in Indonesia and also Malaysia right. today, and if it's facing any particular threats or opportunities.
1: Right. Well, Indonesia, I think, is a model for the whole region in terms of the... Um, I remember... I remember being at a seminar it was actually Anwar Ibrahim was leading the seminar in Washington DC and they were Daisy Fortuna Anwar was there and they were talking about Habibi's reforms as the first you know the first president in the in the Reformasi era and they had all these different aspects of Reformasi of the reform era and and nobody said a word about journalism and I I remember standing up, and I actually raised my hand, and I said, you know, if it weren't for the new press law, the press law of 1999, none of these other things would have happened, that you had to have independent media to report on all of these things, that Indonesians wouldn't have even known what was going on. So I think the 1999 press law, which was so important, the creation of the press council, which was so important, um, I think they have become a model for the whole region. And now, after the kind of remarkable election in Malaysia last year, I think that in, once again Indonesia is a model for that. And Malaysia Malaysia's talking about a media council and reforming the law, perhaps not with quite as much vigor as it happened in Indonesia. I think Indonesia had a much stronger sense of independent journalists. You know, the alliance of independent journalists was very powerful. So yeah, it's Indonesia's still a model for the region, for the region. I think challenges facing journalism are the same the whole world over, including Australia. Young people don't read print. Um, newspapers are dying, and the sad thing is that newspapers, I believe, are the engine that that drives journalism. That radio, television, online journal—it it comes from basic print reporting, and it's this is a huge challenge everywhere. So that that's a kind of grim note to end on but we're
0: we're not quite finishing I'll I'll ask you one more question and that is about um uh your your book is resonates for anyone with an interest in media and democracy and the Islamic world. So I guess what lessons could we draw from this research on Malaysia and Indonesia and these five news organizations that you've, you've looked at in terms of thinking about the broader Muslim world and the journalism practices we see in, right. in other Islamic
1: countries? Well, that was one thing that absolutely fascinated me. I think in some ways the biggest surprise that I found was that Haraka newspaper, which was the newspaper of the Islamist party in Malaysia that the people who edited that that publication were, they used the term freedom. They were absolutely committed to press freedom. This is a party that is derived from the Muslim Brotherhood. And certainly not everybody in the party agreed with that. But the fact that there was a space within this party for people who who championed press freedom and championed independent media, I found very interesting. Now, of course, in Malaysia, everything has sort of shifted since I did my research, and PAS is now more conservative. All of the reformists that I knew have left and set up a new party, Amina, and they have the new publication. But I think that strain in Malaysian political thought and in Malaysian Islam is still there. And so um, anybody who studies Indonesia certainly knows, yes, Islam, democracy completely compatible, <laughs> you know, that, it, that, that that's not a surprise to anyone who studies Indonesia. But I think for a lot of people who study other Muslim majority Muslim countries, they, they don't see that, you know, yes, there's, there's nothing incompatible about Islam and democracy mm-hmm. and independent media. Well, that, that is a good point to end on. So,
0: Janet, uh, I would very much like to thank you for joining us and well, thank you. Uh, for visiting us here at the Sydney Southeast Asia Centre.
1: Thank you. It's a great pleasure.